Tracy Smothers, Harley Race, Tim Storm, Bushwhacker Luke, Bobby Fool. The Pro, Pro Wrestling Vault, Volume 1. One. Bill Dundee, Super Mix Hernandez, C.W. Anderson, Ricky Morton, Sir Moe, and many others share their stories of determination, triumph, and, and sorrow. sorrow. Get your book today at Russellville.com or at Amazon.com. Russellville, Wrestling you're listening to the Wrestleville podcast. This is the Golden Boy Greg Anthony, and it can only be one thing as good as gold. You're listening to the Wrestleville podcast. I'm your host, Vinny Berry, and today's guest is Golden Boy Greg Anthony from Dyersburg, Tennessee. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing really well. How are you guys doing? Oh, doing really good. Really good. Hey, it's been a while since you and I have talked. What have you been up to, man? Man, you know how it goes, living the dream. <laughs> uh, you know, we run a, I run my own promotion here, and we're, you know, we're currently running three days a week, you know, Thursdays in Memphis, Fridays in Ripley, Tennessee, and Saturdays in Dyersburg. So we're, we're doing 150 to 175 shows a year right now. To me, I think that's that's more than just about anybody. So uh, we're busy and we're rocking and rolling and we, uh, we wouldn't have it any other way. Oh, that's good. To, that's good to hear. You've been in the business 22 years now. You've been wrestling since you were 18 years old. When did you start running shows and promoting? I've always been a part of the creative process because luckily I had some guys in the beginning that, that realized like I kind of had a knack for the, the booking end of it or the creative end of it. So they kind of, um, you know, brought me along as far as letting me come up with ideas and pitch ideas and this will work, that won't work, you know, let's try this, let's not try that, that kind of thing. So I was always a part of the creative process. And then I became, I was uh, a few people's actual, you know, head booker for a while. And then um, eventually I started my own promotion and and basically 2014, which is Pro Wrestling Mid-South. And um I, I basically just sat under a bunch of learning trees to figure out how to do it. And every, every promotion, every, every town, every city, every, you know, geographical location in professional wrestling is different. And it's just, it's almost like an enigma puzzle trying to figure out what works for that specific place. So we've been, we've been really lucky here. It's like we're currently on the, you know, we're the longest reigning single company in this area since since i've been wrestling probably 30 years you know so i think we find we kind of found the the way it works and the way it's supposed to work and it's been successful for us for being able to run three shows a, a week that's that's saying something don't you think yeah and that and that's you know day one my goal was to be a full-fledged territory which means you know wrestling four or five six nights a week um and it just, it, it takes time to get there. We, you know, we've been in Dyersburg for, it'll be eight years in October. Uh, we've been in Ripley, Tennessee. It'll be six years in August. And Memphis, we've had for about a year now or a little less. So it's, it's just, it's just a process, man. It's just kind of getting there and getting your, getting your feet under you and figuring out what, what's good and what's not. And just making sure that you got all your ducks in a row and things are going the, the way they're supposed to go, you know? Right. Were you uh, a few months back? Were you running shows in Memphis on Monday night? I think I saw something like that. 
Yeah, Mondays has kind of been, I mean, uh, Memphis itself has kind of been, you know, kind of back and forth right now. We did, we were doing Mondays on Beale Street, and um, we were doing on at Jerry Lee Lewis's bar, basically, there on, on Beale Street. And um, we kind of had a falling out with them. We had to change locations. So now we're at a hotel in South Memphis, and we're doing Thursday nights. So... Like I said, we're just kind of we're we're figuring out Memphis too. You know, I mean, we figured out Ripley, we figured out Dyers. We're, you know, we're in the process of, of, of figuring out what works for Memphis. When you talk about Tennessee or you talk about Memphis, you know, I mean, rich, rich history of of professional wrestling, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's what I love about I'm I'm a huge advocate for territory wrestling uh, because I love hearing stories about you know people from Minnesota that grew up on Vern Gagne and, and, uh, you know, the crusher and Bockwinkle and, and things like that. And then you get, talk to someone from California and they're like Pat Patterson and Ray Stevens. And, you know, I just, I love hearing that kind of stuff that and it was so much better for the business than the sake that you didn't have to be a star everywhere. You could be a star and make a, a really good living and, and, you know, be in one geographical location. So for us here in Memphis, you can't bring up professional wrestling without someone saying Jerry Lawler or Bill Dundee or the moon dogs or the rock and roll express or Austin idol. I mean, Coco beware. It just, it rolls off their tongues because it was such a huge part of the culture in this area for so long. Right. Right. And the Fargo's too. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it depends on how old they are. Like here in Dyersburg, for instance, (laughs) um, there's, there's a guy named Herb Welch who, trained a bunch of wrestlers and you know he he actually lived out in, in millsfield here in in dyersburg area and um anyone over the age of 60 that i ever talked to about wrestling herb welch was the first person i ever brought up you know so we end up actually naming our building after herb it's the herb welch wrestleplex so and you know there's guys like him and rowdy red roberts and people that are synonymous with dyersburg and dyersburg wrestling so it just it goes all hand in hand like ron fuller uh, we had him in, he, he, him and Robert Fuller and all those guys, they were actually born in Dyersburg. Yeah. And they, and they, you know, I had Ron in a, a couple months ago and like he's, we, we inducted him into our hall of champions and all that kind of thing. And he's, he's sitting in the middle of the ring. And he said that at one point Dyersburg, Tennessee was the, the capital of Southern wrestling that every decision made in the South Eastern part of the state, when it came to professional wrestling, the decision came out of the Dyersburg office. And that's, that was like a huge, you know, that was a huge thing for me because my thought process was that's what I always wanted Dyersburg to be because people always said that Dyersburg was just going to be Dyersburg wrestling, you know, and to me, it can be bigger than it was. Right. Well, you're, you're already proving that, you know, your product's growing and, and that's a good thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I've always been kind of a realist, so I never try to, I never tried to run before I could walk. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I just want to make sure we got all of our ducks in a row before we try anything, you know? Right. And make sure that it's successful when we do it so we don't have to do it four times. We can do it once and, and keep it sustainable. Uh, the Memphis thing, obviously, is hurt back and forth, but, you know, we're, we're becoming stable there, too. I mean, we're, we're doing the kind of business we need to do, and we're educating the fans on the kind of professional wrestling that – uh, to me, uh, constitutes growth within professional wrestling. Right. Well, you know, if you've, you, you said you started in Dyersburg, 
what, eight years ago and then Ripley six years ago. I met you probably a year after you started the Ripley show. So what did you say? One year here in Memphis now? Yeah, about we were it was about it was the end of summer last year we started. So we're, you know, we're about nine months in, somewhere like that. So okay. yeah, so that doesn't sound like radical decisions there. It sounds like solid sound decision making to me. Yeah, I mean, we're, you know, opportunities arise and we just kind of, we, we do the best of it with what we can, you know, we're not trying, a lot of people want to try to crown themselves the next Memphis wrestling. Uh, they want to, they want to piggyback off the Jerry Lawler and the Bill Dundee and all that kind of stuff. And that's not what we're trying to do at all. We're just trying to obviously pay homage to those guys, but obviously forge our own path for what we're doing. Cause this, the, my style isn't exactly the, you know, the quote unquote Memphis style. You know, I, I, I have kind of a hodgepodge. Obviously Memphis is always going to influence my company and my business, but at the same time, I use a lot of stuff from, you know, Mid-Atlantic, you know, that era. And also, you know, Bill Watts's Mid-South because we are pro wrestling Mid-South. That's where that come from. And the Mid-South Coliseum and things like that. So I just take this melting pot of knowledge that I've attained over the years and try to make it into something successful, new, fresh, but at the same time, you know, we're still paying, like I said, we're paying homage to all those old territory companies, you know, that came before us. That's a good thing too. Cause you don't, you don't want to forget where you came from. No. And it's just the way professional wrestling is now there's, there's a lot of kids that are in the business that never saw the territories and never experienced the territories and they'll never know what that's like. And to me, that's one of the saddest things about professional wrestling. Like, all the guys that work the territory system just about are, are almost gone. You know, they're either retired or can't wrestle anymore or God forbid they passed away. So, I mean, what's left after that, it's the guys that worked with the guys that worked the territory. So that's my, my generation of, of wrestlers. So me working with Tracy Smothers and me tagging with Bobby Eaton and me working Jerry Lynn and me working Lawler and Dundee and the Moon Dogs and all that kind of stuff. I'm trying to pass on that knowledge that those guys pass on to me to this younger generation and maybe just maybe these, these, these ideas, this, this philosophy of how professional wrestling is actually supposed to go will kind of, you know, sink in. I get it. And yeah, I hope that, I hope that is definitely what happens. Who are some of the up and coming wrestlers in, in your area, guys that, you know, people should keep their eye on and guys that you feel have good promise. Well, there's, there's a couple, there's a couple guys, obviously, like, like one guy is Thud Powell. You know, this kid is, he's five foot 10, but he's, you know, he's like a little miniature Terry Gordy and he just, he's, he's really smooth and, but he's really tough and solid and he very believable. You know what I mean? When he, when he punches someone or when he headbutts somebody, you know, you cringe because it looked like it hurt, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like it's supposed to. Um, we have a you have a young guy that's he would be considered kind of a cruiserweight or junior heavyweight, but Peyton Pee Wee Pitts, you know what I mean? And he's 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 six foot one and he's you know probably you know 170 pounds, but he's athletic and he can do a lot of this this uh, athletic style is kind of in vogue, but at the same time he's he's still a throwback to those those really great chicken shit heels that the guy in the third row thinks he can beat his ass and gets so mad when he wins. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. 
we've got a guy named Brandon Ray, who's, he's 22 years old. He's over 300 pounds. He's very athletic, uh, but he is one of the most, uh, I don't know. I don't know another way to say this. He's one of the most cock strong guys you're ever going to find. <laughs> I mean, he just does not know the, the, uh, he doesn't know his own strength sometimes, but if he ever, you know, he, he's, he's, he does really well. If he ever puts together, you know, the entire encompassing psychology of professional wrestling with his athletic ability and his size, there ain't no telling what the guy can do. You know what I mean? We've got uh, a couple guys, you know, one guy, uh, Mr. Mid-South, who's a mass wrestler, who is, you know, a, a very much a throwback to like the mass superstar and Mr. Wrestling number two and and, and then those kind of things. Uh, we got another guy named the EMT, who's, um, you know, a throwback to like the interns from the, from the, well, every territory had a version of the interns, but he's, he's like the Memphis interns, you know, is, you know, it's, He's uh, very uses his uh, vast knowledge of, of medical procedure or whatever to dissect his opponents. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of young, young and up and coming talent that are doing really, really well. Yeah, it sounds like it for sure. Now you've wrestled a lot of people in your career. Can you share maybe some of the high points, you know, maybe some special matches that stood out uh, to you in your career? I, I, I know it's it's got to be a bunch. Ah, uh, yeah, I've been I've been very blessed in in that respect. Um, well, one of my biggest matches was my match with beautiful. I had I wrestled beautiful Bobby Eaton before we ever started tagging, but that was kind of the beginning of our our relationship as far as uh, as tagging goes because you know we wrestled each other and, and he realized how good I was. So then when he was moving around my area and they were looking for someone to tag with him. My name came up and he basically handpicked me to be his tag team partner. And that's one of the first times that people really start going, you know, who's Greg Anthony, you know what I mean? Like who's this kid that's tagging with Bobby Eaton. And, uh, that opened, you know, huge doors for me. We ended up going to traditional championship wrestling who ended up, you know, being on um, in 50 million homes throughout the U.S., it was a nationally syndicated wrestling show. And you know, at, you know, after me and Bobby quit tagging, and I was there by myself, then I was one of the main focal points of the entire television show. So uh, from that, you know, I I got to wrestle with Matt Hardy, and I got to wrestle Jay Lethal in a in a an amazing contest. I mean, I've tagged with Hacksaw and Jim Duggan, and you know. Rock and I've wrestled against the Rock and Roll Express, and just it's been there's a lot, a lot of guys. Yeah, absolutely, and a lot of names that that I know, right? A lot of guys that I've I've watched uh, in my early years, and and guys that you know that I'm very familiar with today. I mean, I started, I got to start with Jackie Fargo. You know, I've been diamond cuttered by DDP. <laughs> you know, what I mean, like uh, it's just. If you would have told 10-year-old me a lot of the stuff that I got to do, then I wouldn't have believed you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and me too, too, Greg. I mean, you know, I'm not I'm not wrestling like you, but boy, you know, I would have never thought in a million years that I'd be interviewing and talking to some of the guys in the business and writing about and, you know, so it's um, you know, you're, you know, if you follow your passion, it kind of takes you where you want to go, even if you didn't think you were gonna get there, right? Right. 
Yeah. I mean, it takes a lot of hard work and a lot of dedication and people, people sometimes only see the end result. They don't see the work that went into it. Um, you know, the TCW thing, like a lot of people remember me from that and they ask me about that. And a lot of people, you know, people that I wrestled with here locally would, would, you know, ask me to be on the program and things like that, but they didn't realize all the, you know, all the, you know, sacrifice it took to do that. Like when I used to do those tapings, I used to drive six hours one way to go do the tapings. And then we would get done with the tapings probably midnight, one o'clock. And I would drive six hours all the way back home because, you know, Sunday was one of the only days I would have with my kids, you know, just to, to be with them. So I would, I would get home probably, you know, seven o'clock in the morning, something like that and sleep for a few hours and get up with the kids you know, but people don't see that kind of stuff. They just see me on television and think, oh, somebody likes Greg Anthony. Well, that's not the way it worked. It's because I put in all the hard work before that to get to that point, and I would make the sacrifices there. I've, you know, I played basketball through school, and, you know, I I just – I always had that first in the door, last one to leave mentality, and that's kind of the way I've, I've done wrestling too, and it's always served me – it's always served me very well. Going back to the shows that you run in your in your three cities in in Tennessee, there uh, usually how many matches do you have on the card? Um, I'm a big proponent of of a five match card, just for the simple fact that it if we have five matches, then the guys get enough time to actually wrestle. We're not rushing them through six minute matches, so they actually get an opportunity to go out there and wrestle and and work and learn how to work and, and get the ring time that they need. Um, also, it doesn't wear out our audience. You know, I've been on shows. Uh, when I first started, you know, there was a guy that ran shows around here and he basically would, because it wasn't his money he was booking with, he would book anyone under the sun. And there would be, you know, 14, 15, 16 matches on a card and we'd be there to midnight, one o'clock. And, and the fans are just, you know, they're dead by that time, you know, and they, they, they could care less about which mat, what matches in the ring. They just want the show to be over. So it's kind of like the, the situation where you get your kids smoking and you make them, you know, smoke the whole carton or the whole pack, you know, one after another. So he gets sick of it. And that was kind of my getting sick of it with professional wrestling. Like I, I got so much of that, that I was like, if I ever have a show, I'm going to keep my matches down. And then also as a, as a, as a booker, I look at it realistically like, okay, I'm running every week. If I look at my roster and we'll say, for instance, I look at my roster and I have a hundred unique matches that I can create out of this roster, right? If I do five matches a week, then that's 20 unique matches that I could book. That's 20 weeks worth of shows that I could book out of these matches. But if I have seven matches, all of a sudden that number is 13, 14, right? So it becomes like a math game as far as, you know, getting the most out of what you have. So I'm a big proponent of, you know, what's next? Because professional wrestling is all, all about, you know, the next show. Like next week is the, is the biggest thing in professional wrestling. What's going on next week? We know what you did this week, but what's going on next week? So it's, it's all about that long-term storytelling and that longevity of what you're doing. Right. Absolutely. So recently, I spent some time talking to Chaz Moretti, a uh, wrestling agent. That's he likes to call himself a sports agent. 
you've uh he's been wrestling with you for a little bit doing some shows what's that experience been like i mean chaz is a is a professional um you know we we met in in las vegas at the cauliflower alley club and uh just someone that has a deep admiration and love for the business too you know and um like us old heads, he's trying to leave it in better shape than, than the way he found it, you know, and that's kind of all what we're trying to do too. So he fits in, he fits in perfectly with pro wrestling and South as far as, you know, the overall goal of the company. So, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, it's, it's not necessarily about who's the best at, at this or best at that is who fits the best for what you're doing. You know what I mean? So, and that's kind of that's kind of how I feel about him. He he just really fits what we're doing. Yeah this this uh, past year he's been he's been doing some traveling. So I've I've seen him in the Gulf Coast and I've seen him do some shows for you in Memphis and um, I'm not sure where else he's been, but I I know he's been he's been traveling. Oh yeah, he's he's been around. He gets around, and that's good. And and he's and he's funny. <laughs> oh yeah, he's a character. Any of those any of those guys from the East Coast originally, you know, the they'll all talk your head off. You know what I mean? Like right. he's got that he's got that New York wit. Right, right. Yeah, it was so funny that when I had him on my uh, podcast, I called him a wrestling manager, and he said, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! What did you just call me?" And uh, I said, well, I called you a wrestling manager. He goes, let's get something straight. <laughs> and he, he caught me off guard, but it was a lot of fun. Absolutely. So what what is in store? You know, um, you've just started this past year doing uh, a third show in your state. Uh, what you know, what's the long term? If 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 you're if you're doing a slow growth. What do, what do you what do you think would be next for your company? Do you have anything maybe next two, three, four years down the road? What what's in store for you? I mean, we're we're just always looking to the horizon as far as like what's next. Obviously, like I said, we want to get to where you know Pro Wrestling South is is running five, six shows a week, maybe. You know, it would be it would be instrumental for a young guy who really wanted to learn and really wanted to get better to be able to come to West Tennessee and wrestle five nights a week. I mean, that's just, like I said, that's unheard of. And someone who, who gets to wrestle five nights a week is going to be head and shoulders above someone that gets to wrestle once a week. Absolutely. You know I mean? So, yeah. like I said, we're, we're all about, you know, getting the next generation ready for professional wrestling. Cause if you're, if you're watching national television right now and you, and you're thinking that's what professional wrestling is, that's not a good indication of, of, of what it is or what it can be or where it should be. Right. And so we want, we want to show the young guys, Hey, listen, if you want to be successful at any level, this is the kind of stuff you need to be doing. These are the kind of things that you need to know. So for us, you know, like I said, we're always looking for the next opportunity. Maybe that's a, maybe that's a fourth and fifth town, or maybe that's a, an opportunity to do something maybe on a, you know, on a fight TV or a, a television or, or something of that nature. But once again, we're not going to put ourselves in a situation where we're, we're not ready for that, or we're not, we don't have our ducks in a row to do something like that. And we just try to wing it. Right. You know what I mean? So I'm like, so I've been involved in television production and, and things like that nature, but I was never on the production side. So it always takes someone that has that expertise to come on board and, and help us along. 
So we're always looking for somebody that, you know, can, can further our company in the right direction. Right. Absolutely. And I, and I noticed that you guys are relatively close to Alabama, Mississippi, and Arkansas. Have you ever considered uh, taking some, some spot shows out, out in that direction? Uh, yeah. I mean, we've, we've thought about it. I think Alabama has a, Alabama has a wrestling commission. I hate, I hate dealing with wrestling commissions. They're just, they're just a hassle a lot of times. And most of the time they're not really there to protect professional wrestling. It's more of a less, just a money grab for the state. So Alabama has a, um, has an athletic commission. Mississippi has one, but it's almost like an absentee athletic commission. They don't really enforce much over there, but if they wanted to get uh, technical with somebody. They really could, you know, um, Arkansas, they're deregulated. So maybe that's a possibility, but you know, for me, you know, Tennessee's home and Tennessee's what I know. And, you know, I, I'd much rather stick here. I'd much rather, you know, just wrestle between, you know, Memphis and Nashville and kind of figure out, you know, how we can make a living there. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Stick with what, you know, I would, I would think is, is a good philosophy. And I know Arkansas too, like I said, with the TCW stuff, I was on, I was on television in Arkansas for close to a decade, I think. So, I mean, it's, I think that we would do well in Arkansas, but at the same time, you know, that's another two, three hours away from me. So. Right. And that, and that was a really good product, the TCW. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was one of the best things I was ever a part of, obviously. I mean, it's just anything Matt Riviera was a part of was next level kind of stuff. I mean, he was, you know, me and him eventually became best friends and, you know, he helped me in, in more ways than I can ever, ever tell on a mere podcast. But, you know, TCW was just something special. When I, when I just think about the crew that we had and, you know, pretty much the entire crew is, um, you know, still doing something very significant in professional wrestling, even to this day, you know, the majority of the crew, that's, that's, that's saying something right there. Do you get to see some of your, your friends that you ran around with, uh, when I met you a few years ago, Tim Storm and and James Beard, you you see those guys? Well, actually, I, I wrestled Tim um, earlier. I don't know if no, it was, it was late last year. It was Thanksgiving last year. Uh, I actually wrestled him here in Dyersburg and uh, got a pinfall victory over the former NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Um, but. Uh, James, I talk to him every once in a while, but like, no, we don't see, we don't get to see each other a lot because they're doing a lot, obviously. Tim's doing a lot with the NWA and James is doing a bunch of stuff in Texas. PWC Podcast with Rick Del Santo. For all your wrestling reviews, interviews, and news, Rick covers the United Wrestling Network, the NWA, and the Northeast region of the United States Independence. PWC, 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 in the zone. Like I said, 22 years in, um, you know, I had major heart surgery in 2017, but um, I was out four months with it. I was out five months because they shut us down because of the pandemic for five months. But those, those collective nine months are the most I was ever away from professional wrestling in 22 years. Other than that, I've wrestled pretty much every weekend, you know, since. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, I'm probably in and around 4,000 matches for my career, somewhere in there. Wow. So, I mean, 
uh, and like I said, I, you know, I'm, I'm in relatively good shape considering, you know, 41 years old and I've never been a bodybuilder or any of these body guys, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, uh, I'm banged up for sure. But I mean, I feel like I've got a lot of good years left in me. Cause wrestling sure, surely does need people that can pass it on. Uh, do you ever talk to, uh, Van Van Horn, any? Yeah. Yeah. We, we kind of touch base every couple months, you know, he'll, he'll message me and let me know what's going on. Cause you know, our, you know, he was, um, he's just a really good friend of mine. You know, he's one of the guys that, you know, he, he wrestled for a while, then he took, you know, 10, 15 years off and he, you know, wrestled for a while. Then he took another 10, 15 years off. You know, I was there for his second and third runs and we just grown really close. He, you know, he was, he was there when I had my heart surgery and, you know, he, he lives in Kansas city now. And, uh, you know, his daughter is, is a big time soccer player, you know, that kind of thing. So we, we keep in contact as far as that, you know, it's, um, I, I've been relatively lucky, you know, in professional wrestling, they say you don't make a lot of friends. You just make a lot of acquaintances. Uh, but I've got, I've got a pretty good, pretty, pretty good group of friends that I've, I've made over the years. So, and I consider Van obviously to be one of them. Yeah. Him very, very nice guy. Very interesting guy. One, one heck of a story. You know, I had the opportunity when I was writing for my website, you know, I wrote story about him. I wrote a couple stories about you one on, uh, uh, let's see a couple on Barrett Brown, Tim storm and, uh, uh Alvin, Alvin Minnick as well. And, you know, I, I put those short stories in a, in a book that came out last year called Russellville, the pro wrestling Vol- volume one. What was your impression of that, Greg, to see your yourself in, in that book? I thought it was really cool. You know, like I said, you know, um, we need more guys like you that, that take an interest in what we're doing and, and can use your, you know, your passion for what you're doing with like this podcast and the website and then, and making a book out of it and things like that. Cause you know, a lot of people don't, we don't have a, a WWE machine behind us, you know, to make sure, you know, we, we need as much independent support as we can. So, I mean, Anytime someone does anything like that, it's it's a huge shot in the arm for us. You know, it kind of, you know, it shows people that, you know, professional wrestling isn't just on, you know, Mondays and Wednesdays and Fridays. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's stuff going on everywhere. And, you know, you never know where your favorite wrestler is going to actually be from. Absolutely. And and that that's my thing, too, is, you know, that there's, like, like you said, you already said it, there's more wrestling out there than what's on television right and there's a ton of it and you know 10 15 years from now when someone picks this book up you know my whole idea is that when somebody picks it up and goes through it you know they're like hey i know who that is i know that person hey i remember him oh yeah whatever happened to her and then i've never heard of this guy who is he you know and to kind of educate you know some of the fans that you know, there's a lot of people that have come before a lot of the stars, you know, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to, to enjoy wrestling and, and to enjoy telling stories that, you know, um, I kind of find, I finally found my niche, you know, in my late forties of, of <laughs> late forties, early fifties of, you know, Hey, I, I think I finally figured out what I like doing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's the thing too. Like you said, you know, I personally I, I love the book. I love anything tangible like that. Like I'm not big as far as like you know 
you know, Amazon Kindle and stuff like that. Like I want a physical copy in front of me on stuff. So I have a whole, you know, I have a whole shelf here beside me that is nothing but, you know, wrestling, wrestling books and that books on it. And, you know, like I said, someone may be reading that book one day and, you know, they'll see me and they may not know who I am, but they're, they'll get kind of get a wild hair and go, well, let me Google. And they Google me and they, and they find out I'm a former three time NWA national heavyweight champion. And maybe it takes them to the, the YouTube channel where, you know, you know, the golden boy gets his haircut and it's, you know, it's got a hundred thousand views or whatever it's got. And, you know, it, it just starts the ball rolling. I've, I've, I've fell, fallen down the rabbit hole many times on stuff like that. Like I love Dr. D David Schultz, you know what I mean? But, you know, right. most of the, most of, obviously the most uh, viewed clip of him is him slapping John Stossel. But if you, if you follow down the rabbit hole, like I did one day, you'll find out that, you know, Dr. D he main evented everywhere. You know what I mean? Like I found, I, I found matches with him main event in Portland and main event in Madison square garden and main event in Tennessee. And just, just the fact that he was a, he was a consistent, reliable main eventer in every territory that he was in, you know, and that, and that's something that doesn't get told enough. So, right. And then, you know, um, if you're not our age, then, you know, the generation behind us, you know, the guys in their 20s, maybe 30s, they might they might not even know who Dr. D. David Schultz is. Yeah. And hopefully they'll listen to this podcast and they'll go, well, what are what are Greg and Vinny talking about? Let me go see this guy. <laughs> and, they'll right. see him, and they'll sleep, see him slap the living shit out of John Stossel. <laughs> yeah. And and not just him, too, because I talked to Mario Mancini and Mario said the very first time he he wrestled uh, or not, not his very first time he wrestled, but the first time he wrestled him, he yeah. uh, he he smacked the taste out of his mouth, too. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, he's uh he is uh definitely one of those guys that uh uh he made it real, right? Well yeah, and that's what you know Johnny Valentine always said. He said, you know, maybe maybe I can't convince you that professional wrestling is real, but I can convince you that I am. Absolutely. You know Absolutely. what I mean? I kind of feel that same way about myself, like, you know, I'm not I want, I want you to believe everything that happens in professional wrestling, but rest assured that everything you hear out of the golden boy, Greg Anthony is pretty much everything I would say, regardless. Right. All right, Greg. Well, it was a pleasure having you tonight. Where, where can fans find your, your product, your promotion? Do you do any social media? Oh yeah. Um, I'm pro wrestling mid South. You know, you can find us on, on Facebook and uh, Instagram. And then if you want to follow me, you know, I've, I've got, you know, I'm the golden boy, Greg Anthony on Facebook. I've got a like page. I've got an Instagram as well. I've got a Twitter golden boy, Greg. Um, there's just a lot of play. You know how social media is. We're all over the place. If there's anyone that wants to do business business, I'm on LinkedIn as well as Greg Anthony. So um, I try to be as uh, I try to be as involved in social media as I can. Well, good deal. Good deal. Well, Greg, again, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for being a part of the show. Thank you for coming on. And thank you for always being so good to me, man. I really appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. You're listening to the Russellville Podcast, where wrestling lives. Have 
you ever wondered what happened to Lance Von Erich? Find out in his book, Lance by Chance, Wrestling as a Von Erich. You'll read stories about Chris Adams, Ric Flair, and Billy Jack Haynes. And of course, the Von Erich family themselves. Get your book today on Amazon.